0: Hey, Blenders, on this week's show, we're catching up on some tier listings for Star Wars and Marvel. Nope is hitting theaters and writer director Jordan Peele joins the show. Hello, Blenders, and welcome. Welcome to episode number 222, 222 of Realm Blend. That's actually perfect. It is, right? Oh, wait. Oh, because there's a numbers thing with Nope. Well, Nope opens seven twenty-two twenty-two. There you go. See? And we're episode 222. We waited, Jordan, just for you specifically. That's weird. That is a little bit strange. I Uh, caught up your joke, but go ahead. that has to warn you, if you tell us to get out, we might just say nope. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you very much.
1: (laughs) She lost a (laughs) lot of listeners.
0: Come on, Jake. Stay with me here. On this week's show, we are catching up with... uh,
2: that joke um, is the reason Sean's not in the Jordan Peele interview, by the way. It's,
0: it's, <laughs> it's true. Uh, we're going to be catching up on some tier listings for star Wars and Marvel. As mentioned, Jordan Peele has a new movie called Nope. That's hitting theaters. And because of that, uh, writer, director, Jordan Peele is going to be joining the show. Uh, We'll get to that in a second, because first I have to introduce the boys. I going to start with Kevin McCarthy of Fox five in Washington, D.C. Hi, Kev. How are you?
2: Hi, I completely ruined your joke. But when I don't think that I realized that we were on two, two, two and I'm extremely ADHD. And then when you mentioned that, because you and I have a thing about numbers, we talk we about do. numbers all the time. Um, the fact that Nope opens this week and we have Jordan on and it's two, two, two. I mean, how do you explain that? Well,
0: and also, the to movie- be fair. I kind of ruined my joke. Like (laughs) the joke wasn't great. No, it was great. I just,
2: I completely steamrolled it. But when you said it, I just could not help myself because that is the weirdest coincidence I've ever, I can't think of anything on our show. That's ever been that numerically aligned. No, that's that's crazy.
0: That's pretty, that's pretty cool the way that that worked out. And yes, we do focus on, on some of those weird coincidences like that. Uh, The other guy in the chair is Jake Hamilton of Fox 32. Hi Jake. How are you? You know what number I like? What number do you like? Number one, which is your rank in my heart. Aw, you are very oh, wow. sweet. Thank you very much. I really appreciate that. Kev, that you hear that, Kev? You and I are not number one. <laughs> yeah. We don't know where, but... I, that's <laughs> how I heard
2: that. I didn't hear what Sean was number one. I heard that I you wasn't You are just glass one. half empty, <laughs> no, sons
3: of
0: bitches, no, no, aren't you? right. <laughs> uh, Gabe Kobach is joining us as well, too, in the producer's chair. Hello, Gabe. How are you?
4: Hello, folks. I am good. I'm ready for a... Um, a week full filled with uh, sleep deprivation. It's called San Diego Comic Con. Comic Con, it's, uh,
0: it's coming. That's right. So if you want to hear about the fun stuff that's happening at San Diego Comic Con, make sure you follow uh, myself and Gabe uh, and Cinema Blend through all of our social channels because we've been doing a lot of stuff on there. And I want to remind everybody, or point out to everybody, to stay tuned. After the Blend game this week, um, we're going to be playing scary wait no how do we how do we call it scare blend
4: this is going well scared with a d with a d scared blend (laughs) blend is what we're playing
0: scared blend but in addition we have another giveaway to announce uh after the blend game so more on that in a little bit it's gonna be something you guys are gonna Mm want to listen to uh if you're watching us on youtube hello thank you for joining us uh head down give us a like and a subscribe meet us back here every friday morning uh where we post the new video for our audio listeners if you'd like to join us in video form (laughs) thank you jake I uh, had to youtube.com backslash real blend podcast. And of course we are available in all the different places where you can get your podcast needs met. If you want to sign up for real blend premium and on an upcoming premium episode, we should probably point out the fact that we have mentioned uh, on our social media channels. If you're listening to this week's episode uh, that we had a bit of an adventure recently uh, where we got to visit the homes of uh, Kevin Smith to start off with uh, and then Quentin Tarantino. Uh, to conclude the day, but all in the same day. And I know some people might be tuning in this week to kind of find out what's going on with all that. But we're not going to tell those stories this week, uh, but they will be coming up soon. Uh, and in addition, we tell a lot of behind the scenes stuff on the premium episode. So uh, to get an ad free version of the show, to hear all these really fun stories, to get an extra segment that drops every Monday and a newsletter. Uh, check the description <laughs> of this show for where uh, information is on how you can sign up for real blend premium because there's so much cool stuff happening over on that show. And, uh, and we just want you guys to, to be a part of it. And this week we're playing a fun game called the box office game, which is one of my favorite ones to play. We played uh what we played last week? The IMDb game, uh, on sleep yep. deprivation and Jake kicked mm-hmm. my ass. <laughs> he yeah. just whooped me big time. We Thanks also Campbell. played, we also played yeah. the
2: IMDb game with someone else.
0: With Quentin yeah we could talk about that we can mention that we played with oh. him and he had a really good time he really cool. he really enjoyed it the, I no, won't the tell way you Sean which describes we played.
3: it yeah the, Sean describes it the perfect way which was that was either going to go one of two directions yeah which is this is going to go great or this is going to bomb and we're going to cut it and no one's ever going to know but we're but telling you about it, it. so yeah. it went well
0: he loved it he absolutely loved it all right um we want to get right to Jordan Peele Jordan Peele is someone who we've wanted to get on the show for years essentially. Huge fan of his. Obviously, you've heard us talk about uh, Get Out often. We talked a lot about us. We've been super hyped for Nope for so many different reasons. And then this week's interview is actually going to be sponsored uh, by our lovely friends over at AMC Theatres and their Thrills and Chills program specifically. The AMC Theatres Thrills and Chills program aims to bring audiences uh, the best of what's out there in horror and suspense uh, in a variety of different styles and budgets and genres so of course we wanted to start uh, this unique sponsorship that we're doing with these guys uh, and their thrills and chills program with Jordan Peele uh, talking about Nope and look ahead to not just uh, that movie coming to theaters, but all the different things that are going to be heading to, uh, to AMC theaters under their thrills and chills banner, including a film that Gabe and I got to see at South by Southwest called bodies, 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 which is coming very, very soon. It is really, really fun. Uh, and you guys are going to want to hear more about that. We're actually chasing down the director of bodies 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 as well too and hopefully we get them on the show hopefully yeah and just a number of really cool horror films like i know salem's lot is on its way and we got pushed back are you um next year bodies 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 yeah
4: next year oh did it really shoot wow. april april of next year
0: sean are that. you gonna
4: try to see bodies 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 while you're at comic-con they're doing a screening
0: i they might be doing it the same night that we're doing barbarian i'm not sean, sure what? kevin
2: it's so good. I know you're aware of the band that I'm about to ask about because I know you like the same music I do, but yes, please tell me there's at least a needle drop of drowning pools bodies.
4: I don't think so. I don't remember. there. A there big is one. not.
2: How no. do you miss
4: that opportunity? <laughs> well, wait until you wait until you see that doesn't really fit the tone of, uh, I, know, I'm just no, kidding. I
0: know what you're saying. Would that be would be, that's a missed opportunity. That movie is great. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so we'll be talking about that later on. Um, and so check the description, uh, of the show here to check out more about amc's Thrills and chills and grab tickets for nope coming to come into theaters um and that's why without further ado uh we want to throw it to our interview with the director of nope but before that kevin has something really quick that he wants to set up uh that happens right at the beginning of the interview kev what happened
2: yeah. So basically, and, and actually, this is perfect that it's sponsored by AMC because I'm actually getting ready to reference two of their theaters um, in the country, uh, Lincoln Square and City Walk. Um, so at the, in this interview, there's a lot of numbers being thrown around at the beginning, and I just wanted to clarify a couple things. So. Basically, uh, Jordan shot this film in IMAX. Uh, Hoyte Van Hoytema was the DP on the film who shot, you know, Interstellar, Dunkirk and, you know, uh, Lieutenant and all those great films for Christopher Nolan. Um, so he shot 65 mil and 65 mil IMAX film. Um, so the numbers that you're going to hear in the interview, uh, when a film is projected that was shot in 65 millimeter IMAX film, it, it's projected on a 70 millimeter IMAX projector. Um, but generally speaking, around these parts in, in the country today, you're going to find mostly laser IMAX projectors which will give you that full 143 aspect ratio and when i say 143 that's the jump from the widescreen format to the full-blown f- screen being encompassed by the image that jordan and Hoyta Hoidem, uh, van hoidema uh, produced now when i bring this up this is interesting because across the country when you go to a normal imax theater like like say like an amc tyson's route where, where i live that's that's going to be a 190 IMAX aspect ratio. That's a a smaller format IMAX. Uh, And then there are other IMAX theaters in the country that are larger that that, that give you that 143. So I just wanted to explain that when you're hearing numbers like 65 millimeter IMAX or 70 millimeter IMAX, the camera is 65 millimeter IMAX film. It projects on 70 millimeter IMAX film. So for example, if Paul Thomas Anderson is shooting the master, he's shooting it in 65 millimeter. And then projecting it on 70 millimeter. So okay. if you hear back and forth between 65 and 70, they're basically the same thing. It's just a matter of what it's shot on and what it's projected on. Um, but, will, but one thing that's also really important to note if you're looking for a 143 theater, that's the IMAX, the, the tall, gigantic ratio that they were able to shoot this movie in. There's only a few of them in the country. Um, specifically, AMC Lincoln Square in New York has one, AMC City Walk in Los Angeles has one. But generally speaking, around the country, you're going to mostly find a 190. So if you don't find a 143 where you are, doesn't mean it's not a bad thing. You're still going to get the 190 aspect ratio. I just wanted to explain those. There's a lot of numbers. I know it can be confusing, but just see it in IMAX if you can. But if you can find one of those like really cool theaters that can show it in 143, which is like the science museum height. Then go to like the Lincoln Square or the City Walk if you're able to. Um, but just wanted to explain that because you'll hear Jordan talking about 65 and 70. And I just wanted to explain that it's shot on 65 and then it projects 70 if it's being projected on film.
0: Cool, cool. All right. Without Crystal clear to do. Yeah. Jordan Peele. I know it's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> talking uh, specifications of technicalities and his new horror film. Nope. Well, first
2: of all this is an honor. We're standing here on the Universal Pictures lot uh, with Jordan Peele and this is one of the most incredible experiences uh, of nope and we can't wait to talk to everybody about it. Thank you for your time, ma'am.
1: Thank you, Kevin. I'm I'm yeah, I'm so excited to know what you guys thought of the film.
2: Yeah, well we loved it and uh, so you, you know I'm a big fan of filmmaking. I love Hoyte van Hoytema. He's one of the greatest DPs of all time and that format of 70mm IMAX seeing a film that goes to that full blown one four three aspect ratio. I remember seeing The Dark Knight and seeing that go like Wally Pfister going from that 35 to 65 mil IMAX and it was unbelievable uh, and I, I saw in a featurette that you said that the like Hoytema's film making was, were, those were some of your favorite moments in film ever and I wanted to ask your memories as a jumping point um, that format that 143 IMAX and what your memories of that were and kind of what hit you when you saw it for the first time
1: well yeah well, I mean specifically when I'm talking about Hoyt and his uh, his influence on me I was probably referencing that shot and Let the Right One In that uh, that that long pool shot That's the pool shot yeah Uh, uh, that's probably what that was about um Hoyt was the only cinematographer that I felt like was was capable of tackling the many challenges many technical challenges of this film and when I sat down I asked him uh, you know uh, when we started talking about the making the film I started talking to him in terms of if he had to photograph a UFO and just to say, if for posterity's sake, like what cameras would you use as the exp- as the world's foremost expert on this? He said, I would use, in his Dutch accent, I would use IMAX cameras because it's, uh, you get the, the the resolution, it's just the best on earth, you know? And so, like, okay. So that became something we use in the film and we use in the film. Um, and uh, the format is just completely immersive. I mean, uh, you, you, you know it. I, and the... Uh, I think the thing, as well as being this big, huge in scope and expansive in film and sort of need all the energy of, of the, the sky and, and terrain, I was also just fascinated with pushing ground in the horror genre yes. with intimacy and, and using, that, using that format in, in sometimes more mundane places, which you don't see often.
3: It kind of yeah. makes me think of like what Toby Hooper could have done with IMAX on Texas Chainsaw, oh, like, could you imagine like it's, those Texas vistas and landscapes with it, that camera?
1: You're so right. You're so right. And there's there's parts of this movie that I think sort of reference the the the, the horror grist yes. yep. of that. Mm. Uh, and I know I know what moment you're thinking of mm. too. Yep. That I was thinking about that a lot. Oh. That man, we have this. We have essentially. Uh, Texas Chainsaw vibes yes, in a seventy yes. millimeter format. It's just um, so cool. Which, if that doesn't sell, I don't know what. <laughs> oh, else I'm so yeah, all for this podcast, if that doesn't and then sell, and Michael Abel's yeah. score. I mean, oh my god, god. man!
3: I uh, lean over to him in the back. Kevin, who scored this? And he goes, Michael Abel. I was like, oh fuck! It was. Just, it's beautiful. Uh, for most filmmakers, if they want to make a statement about film over digital, they shoot their film on film over digital. That's and usually that's the statement, the act of doing it. For you, it's an actual plot point in the movie. The value. Of film over digital if power goes out the value of the only way being able to capture something is old-school film I'm curious about the the choice to not just make a statement about film by sh- shooting on film But actually making a plot point in the movie about it
1: The organic nature of how I wrote it um, You know, it, it's, it's sort of hard to know what came first the chicken or the egg mm-hmm. um, The first thing I decided was I wanted to make a, a, a spectacle and something huge and then from there i the the plot sort of uh formed so a lot of the the themes that uh came forth were questioning the human being relationship to spectacle very quickly that brought me straight to this industry yeah. industry i know well and and hollywood and the the industry of the spectacle and then so yeah the whole thing came together very in a very metal way in, in a lot of ways this you know my my aspiration with this film was capturing the impossible, um, you know, uh, and, and, and it became very easy to follow, um, a, a plot that was essentially doing the same thing.
3: I, I would have loved to have been at the pitch meeting because my entire perception of pitch meetings is your Gremlins 2, sketch. It's <laughs> in picture, the movie. It's in the movie. I just picture him walking around saying all these different things that are happening and nope but not, that's now how I vision this movie happening.
1: Yeah, uh, you know, Star Magic uh, Jackson Jr. does occasionally make uh, his way onto a <laughs> film set um, because, you know, yeah, it's, it's, it's totally collaborative and it is true. Anybody at any point can have the best idea in the world. And, um... And so, very often, it's in the movie. It's in the movie, you yeah. love it. So we've seen the film in,
2: not in IMAX yet, we've seen it in widescreen. And obviously, you shoot 65 millimeter and 65 millimeter IMAX, and obviously, it's incredible, you can get that one, four, three aspect ratio, which I mentioned. Um, but since we haven't seen it yet, what scenes are going to jump up like that? And how did you come up with narrative reasons for those? Because I remember we interviewed Denis Villeneuve for Dune, and he was talking about, I wanted those those aspect ratio changes to be narrative punches. Like, we are going into Paul's dream, you go boom, right, The desert. So I'm assuming that you probably made narrative choices in terms of where the IMAX shots were going to be. How did you decide, and what scenes can we expect in the format?
1: It's such a great question, and and you really you really know what you're talking about. It it you know every choice of how how and when to go into IMAX. I think I approached uh, differently. I didn't make a sort of blanket rule, but. in, in general, I, I tried to honor a sense of uh, immersion. So I tried to hide it a, 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 a often so you're not, you're not thinking about it. Sure. There are a couple of times where that format is meant to really smack you in the face. So you just jump real first quick. First shot in the movie, for example, oh, the first oh. scene, a moment in the movie, you're smack in the middle of this IMAX and it's, and it's nuts. Which is haunting, a haunting image, yeah. by the way. So then, the scene that that goes on to refer to later, all of that IMAX. Wow. Yeah, and then um, the uh, the scene that takes place in the, the nighttime with rain, IMAX. That's one four three. That scene. Oh. Yes.
2: Okay, I need to go see. Then this right now. from
1: the 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 final the final act is IMAX.
3: Oh, like the the entire.
2: Yes. Can I ask did you oh, did shit. you since hoidem I mean obviously with Interstellar and Dunkirk and Tenet and all these movies he shot with Chris did you talk not Chris like I know him did you talk to <laughs> did you talk to Mr. Nolan or Christopher Nolan at all about the use of this format because he really kind of like I believe Dark Knight was the first narrative feature to ever use those cameras in narrative feature storytelling it was used in like documentaries prior to that and like did you talk to Christopher Nolan about this at all?
1: Uh, yes I did. Uh, and he is an absolute uh, pioneer with this, with this work. And, and what, what he and Hoyt have done together has been particularly inspiring um, with Dunkirk, Interstellar and Tenet. Um, Chris, you know, he said, look, it's, it's a thing mm. it's, it's you, you it's, it's, it's absolutely addictive. It's intoxicating, but it's something that when you make the choice to do it, you have to really do it and you have to make sure, I mean, by the way, I'm, I'm, Speaking of I'm giving away Chris's secrets, but no, he, you have to make sure everybody understands that it's different, and it and, and it is. It's a it's a process that uh, involves a certain amount of attention, mm. um, and uh, you know, it, like uh, I think what film does as opposed to digital is is something that working with IMAX also does, uh, compounds, which is a sense of importance, a sense of preciousness mm. that everybody feels like they're working on something a little bit more important um and uh this is something paul thomas anderson talks about too like, yeah. You
2: know. yeah i saw liquor's pizza in 70 millimeter recently that right. it was it's one right. of the most yeah. insane things yeah
1: <laughs> it
3: was awesome um, you mentioned talking about spectacle and that's such a big theme of this movie and and kind of those the, the limits and the dangers we'll push ourselves to to get that perfect shot what we have to pull off in order to get that whether we should be doing it or not as a filmmaker as a storyteller what's the most you've ever pushed yourself to capture the spectacle, to get it, like even maybe to a dangerous degree.
1: <laughs> well, this one, I mean, this was as uh, grueling uh, a shoot as I've as I've had, and um, and it was hot out there, and and so, I mean, you you know, all I can say is there were there were days in this thing where, where I'm I'm just you know I'm I'm we're we're getting showered with dust and it's hot. And we're just, Hollywood's you know, so glamorous. We're, yeah, and we're, but we're, we're just warriors in there. And and all of the collaborators in this film, um, were, you know, showed up for me. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just really one of these marvelous things where, um, you know, you look around and you, you feel, um, you just feel people at the top of their game, at the top of their expertise, all bringing their their passion and and their a game to the thing. And ah, uh, it felt, it just felt great. That's
2: awesome. You know, I want to talk to you about sound design and sound mixing um, because as I was watching this film when I don't want this is not a spoiler, but just things like the sound would just go out in the world and you would just hear it go out. And I won't say specifically kind of where that happens or why it happens, but it is noticeable. It's immersed. It's immersive. Like you lean in. You're like, what the hell's going on here? And I told you I, I, I was leaning into the shots like when Daniel would open up the truck. I would go out of my, like like this on myself while doing it but the sound design was insane can you talk about how you achieved that um and kind of like what you were picking up from an ambient sound of just the world in in general but then how you actually suck it out um that way it's
1: so cool man. So I mean part of it is just the wonderful stylings of Johnny Byrne my my uh my sound designer and and mixer and the in the um in and and his and his team um, he, he, he did under the skin with Jonathan Glazer and he does the Yorgos movies. And so he has a very immersive style to begin with. We started early working together in, in the design earlier than, than normal. And, um, we started talking about the, uh, the, the, the UFO in terms of how it would and how it sounds and, and, and the environmental effects that it would create if it's going by. So a lot of it became about wind early on. Mm-hmm. And he has this library of wind. So, you know, again, just one of these situations I, I, I can't tell you, I mean, we, we really, you know, knowing how important sound was for say close encounters. Um, we very early got into this, this, the, the mind frame of um, just knowing that, you know, knowing we'd get to do Atmos and Atmos and Dolby and really put ourselves under and behind everything. Yeah. Uh, he 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 made it totally immersive.
2: It was amazing. I mean, that, it was that, and then I would just kept looking at the clouds, looking for every single thing. I've really never mean, leaned mean into a movie audience, more,
3: like moving. Even though we're yeah. looking at a flat screen, you could see us like looking to try to look up. Tarantino too. wrote about yeah. that about
2: Rosemary's yeah. Baby with Polanski,
3: right? There yeah. was like a it's scene an hour in that, to like makeup, yeah yeah, 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 um, wow. I rarely talk about this in interviews, but I really want to talk about the marketing for this yeah. film, particularly because um, Kevin and I found an article last night <laughs> that was kind of complaining about all oh, the the Nope trailer just showed everything. And I kind of, it's not what you think you, you don't realize how much you did not see in that trailer and things you think you see, you did not see. I'm curious as to your involvement with the marketing, particularly for a trailer like this, which you don't want to give too much away. And when you start hearing people complaining about, well, like this, there are spoilers in the trailer and you know, there aren't how you keep your mouth (laughs) shut. Just don't say anything.
1: Well, you know, it's a great
3: job marketing this.
1: Thank you. We've Thank you. Yeah. I mean, I, we, I have such a, uh, a, uh, good relationship with the universal marketing team, you know, just from the, the the success we've had in, in, or or they've had with get out and us. And, you know, a big part of why, you know, I thought this film would work and people would be interested in seeing it is because I feel like there's a little bit of a deficit of great UFO films Mm -hmm. and the UFO genre, um, when the promise of it is good is it holds a big, it's a big Flying box that holds a big mystery, and there's nothing you're going to do to get away from that so you know for my for my money the uh, i'm i'm very uh, i i've always intended for the audience to understand that i'm 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 going after the the great american flying saucer film
2: mm. That's well, amazing. There's the whole idea of the money shot is really is the Oprah shot. It's, it's a really interesting aspect of the story. And I thought to myself, like, if somebody were to ask me my favorite money shot in a film, like, where would I go to it? And I think the first one I went to, weirdly enough, was Roy Scheider in Jaws when he does the dolly zoom, uh, the vertigo shot. Yeah, which just to me, like, it's it's the entire film on his face in that moment. Um, if I were to ask you that question, uh, favorite money shot in a film, it could be multiple. What which
1: ones come to mind first? I mean, when you, you, even as you say, when you said uh, jaws, of course, I picture the one where he's throwing the chum in the water and, and uh, the shark is just there and his head whips up. Either the reaction, yeah. might be the reaction, yeah. actually, it might be the money shot because that is the thing, right? You, um, it's a perfect reaction. He doesn't scream. He doesn't, he doesn't, it's just that silent thing. Like when you, like if you turn on the light and, and saw a roach on your hand, you know, yeah. you just get absolutely snaked. So, um, anyway, I'll, I'll, um, uh, you know, but, uh, so yeah, I'll, I'll, can I, can I jump on the jaws bandwagon? Yeah.
2: Jaws bandwagon because I,
1: we, we, yeah. Well, I guess we can't, we don't want to dive into sports, but yeah, but yeah. 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 And but then yeah. let's go, I'll, I'll say if you haven't seen let the right one
2: in, see that film. Yeah, that movie is, um, that pool scene, the dragging across the water. I, even, the- I thought Matt Reeves, remake was great too. Uh, yeah. the, that I mean, it was solid. Cause it had that cool wonder and with Richard Jenkins. I do want to ask you though, what, did, what do you think is the money shot in get out
1: and get out? Yeah. Oh my gosh. That's a really tough one. Um, you know, I would say I think that the the first time he falls into the sunken place. Yeah. And I feel like when I when I felt a, an audience watch that for the first time, I just felt a different kind of silence hmm. than I than I had felt you know the rest of that movie yeah. so I think that's
2: also what might be the split yeah. diopter
3: I have to oh, uh,
1: I know you like that so split I have to tell diopter you, <laughs> you went <laughs> off on that
3: last time that split diopter <laughs> is so badass man Daniel just told me that he can't go to a coffee shop and order tea without someone like slowly <laughs> stirring the tea and he's yeah. like it's been years and serious he's like seriously still we're still going to do this tea thing right. where gonna... well
1: see that I mean by the way it's probably a good rule for money m- money shot Oprah shot is, is probably like all practical I can just tell you're a real, like, give me the film tricks. Give me the, give me the stuff. Yeah, um, in fact,
3: we actually argue about this cause I'm very much like, I don't want to know. It helps me and,
4: immerse he me more. Yeah. yeah. Right,
1: right. Okay. Yeah. Well, you know, the, the, I have to say the shot of Daniel's face and get out, right. That one that became iconic. I didn't, I didn't expect that to take off. Oh, really? Yeah. The tear? Yeah. yeah. I didn't. Wow. It, you know, it was, we were, we were telling a story and I was just, um, it, you know, s- sometimes, uh, Something catches and it it surprises you and and it teaches you something.
2: I'll never forget that that's shot. Amazing. Changed everything.
3: Um, I love the logo for Monkey Paw. I, just, I remember the oh, first thanks. time I saw it and Me just too. thinking like, "Oh, that is brilliant!" Like that's I can't wait to see that a thousand times throughout my life. And there is a shot in this movie of a Monkey Paw, mm-hmm. which like just but obviously you came up with the logo before you ever like wrote. The, I'm just sort of curious as to the significance of that shot in Nope and how it ties back to your studio logo.
1: You know, the more people watch uh, my work, I think the more they'll notice connections and, and certain things that I can't get away from. Hmm. And that there, there is in fact some internet connectivity in the, the, uh, the worlds and these nightmares. Um, so yeah, when, when I often, when I um, arrive at a, a, an idea that it has a connection to something, I already, you know, I, I, push on the gas because that means something something's in yeah. there and, and i like that meta
3: am i to believe that the the monkey paul in the studio logo is that gordy's paul
1: let you know i'm not g- no comment <laughs> <laughs> i can either confirm or deny that
2: <laughs> that's what you said to me on us i tried i asked you a question about the connection You're like i can either confirm or deny that <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's, a, it's, it's a good answer i'm it's gonna a, it's a great
2: uh, yeah um i have to ask you about akira um because yeah. that shot on the, the, the motorcycle with Kiki Palmer is it, it screams like Akira. I mean, and she said it was an Akira reference. I'm wondering like in your perspective, like pulling that shot off, what it meant to you to see that in practical form, like in an actual human form versus like an animation aspect to it. And the choice of doing an Akira homage in a moment like that.
1: I, so much. I mean, that movie uh, meant so much to me. And um, yeah, the, this, you know, there's a moment where we do the, the, the motor, the, famous motorcycle the canada motorcycle slide um i you know i anime in general was a a big influence but you know i think the the choice to go after that real hardcore homage was a tough one Mm. and because you know you you know because you could always just not right you could always just not and have your movie but it felt so um it felt so good and it felt so, uh, it, it's a moment that's been paid homage many, you know, many times in, in animation and I had I hadn't seen it, uh, done like this. And so to have, uh, you know, something about having a black woman on a white motorcycle with, you know, uh, you know, having, having broken police tape, do that Akira slide just felt like, yeah. you know, what, Jordan go for
2: it i'm glad you
3: did because it was badass man we're gonna cut you loose on this just last one um you and quentin tarantino both have the power to do something amazing which is like change songs for the forever for me i when i hear you know i got five on there now if i hear uh wear my sunglasses at night i'm gonna think about moments in your films i'm curious as to what happens when you hear those songs if you're driving around la and a song comes on the radio that you've can you even hear that song separately, or do, do you just flash back to your own film?
1: No, it does. It, it changes it for me too. And and at, at some point, I've I've made that shift in that song. I'm, I'm probably the first one who's made the that shift in that song connotation. But it often comes from first comes from a song I don't uh, associate as scary. Mm-hmm. Um, so so it's it's something that you know I. I'm trying, you know, something that, that turns for whatever reason. If I, I marry it with some imagery and all of a sudden it, it has a different meaning, um, I love, love that. And there's something kind of alchemic about yeah. that. Yeah,
2: you know, They're wrapping us already. We just want to say thank you for being That's on right. our show. Seriously, um, this, is amazing. this is, I mean, and I really, really mean that. Like it, to have you on and, and talk to you about your films has been an honor. Thank you, man. You guys man.
1: are way too, too, too nice. Thank you so much. Seriously, thank That's you for your time. time.
0: We want to thank Universal and of course Jordan Peele for coming on the show to talk about Nope. Uh, you guys will notice I was not part of it. So Jakey, I'll start with you. Uh, tell us about the day. Tell us about how the interview went. Uh, what was it like talking Nope with Jordan Peele?
1: Oh,
3: it was pretty great. Um, I had never met Jordan Peele before. Um, I, I didn't interview him for Get Out or for Us. Um, so this was a real thrill for me. Um. He's just a guy who loves talking about movies Um, and we felt very special in that day and that we were specifically targeted to be the first thing of his day. And then his whole team could not have been nicer afterwards. I mean, it was one of the coolest moments and uh, I haven't seen the video yet. I hope this is in the video is as we're getting up, Jordan Peele says to to Kevin and myself, like you guys are the guys I made this movie for and his team as we're walking out. Yeah, his team as we're walking out. Says, like, man, I hope everyone's questions are are like that today. It was just a great conversation. And what was really cool is that, like, you know, one of the things we always talk about is how differently the three of us always approach interviews. We come at it from different angles. And even just in that interview itself, like Kevin and myself just coming at it in two completely different angles. And somehow I found myself asking a digital film question where yeah. it was just sort of like, I I kind of felt like this is my my get it, or, or this is my us moment where like this is like like my tethered was asking a, a, a film, <laughs> <my> <laughs> I film question. Um, I was like, what the, what the hell is happening? But once you see the film, you'll realize yep. how much uh, the the concept of film over digital really does play into the actual not just not just like, oh, I'm, I'm making a statement by shooting on film. It plays a plot point into the film. Um, and I'll yeah. leave it there. But it was a great. It was. It felt like a really special interview, and it's great to be able to add his name to our list, mm-hmm. our ever-growing
2: yeah. list. And Jake, Jake brings that up. Uh, you know, for me, and again, not in terms of not spoiling anything. You know, in terms of film versus digital, again to Jake's point and kind of how he said it, it's not just a little detail. It actually is effective to the characters. The characters are in a world where film and digital are battling in a way, um, which I won't go into how or why, but it, it is a massive point to the trajectory of the character arcs and the story, um, which I thought was a really clever way. It's funny, when we, when we sat down with Quentin Tarantino um, for our recent interview, uh, I we, we were telling him that we had just seen Nope and told him about that. And I said, yeah, it's cool. There's a whole point in the film about how film over digital. And he goes, oh, kind of like in Bastards when she th- when she burns all the nitrate film. Uh, <laughs> and I was like, that, that was a like kind of I actually forgot about that. He basically uses film. I mean, I, I knew the scene. I remember the whole moment, but I didn't put the two and two together that we had seen in another narrative film, use film as a way to help characters in a way. Absolutely. I thought that was kind of yeah, cool. I, I didn't
3: really, I, until that moment. I'd, I never really thought of that as like a statement on film. Neither did I. I guess I. in a way until he said yeah. it. And, and, you yeah. know, I, I trust him. I'm yeah, kinda, I know it was, it was cool. Yeah.
0: I'm kind of dumbfounded that. So I, I haven't seen Nope yet. We're recording this on Tuesday and I'm seeing it tonight. And I'm, I'm amazed that the plot points of it haven't reached me yet. Mm. Uh, even, you know, running a major movie website. And Kevin, you, you were sort of saying that like spoilers aren't really a thing with it necessarily, but I'm still going into this movie relatively clueless.
2: Mm. My point, the point is, though, is it, it's not an easy one or two line like thing that you could just ruin for somebody. It is. Okay. It, it, there is a, there is so much going on in the film from a thematic standpoint, I guess we're gonna dive into a review, so we'll we'll, sure. uh, we'll do that later in the show. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's a lot going on that's it, it's not as easy as me saying, oh xyz happens or this happens to this character no no no. it is like you have to give all this explanation and the thematics are so deep um i do want to mention as you heard in the interview jordan does confirm the moments where we're going to be jumping to the imax um so i thought that was a really cool thing i remember denise Villeneuve gave us uh that information as well for Dune. Uh, if you're lucky enough to see it in IMAX, uh, you know, or th- if you can get that 143, that gigantic uh, Lincoln Square City Walk screen, that's the way to do
3: it. So and I, um, I got the uh, a coveted can't wait. I got I got a coveted. I can neither confirm nor deny answer, from, yeah. which, I, which I always feel like any other director. And I sort of go like, oh, what a waste of question. But getting that from Jordan Peele makes me think, OK, I'm on to something if he's not oh. willing to answer that question. I think I'm on to something.
0: All right. So next week, yeah. you got to give us a little more context about what that is, because we'll yep. do spoiler talk uh, for Nope next week when more people yep. have had a chance to see it. And uh, yep. especially specifically when Gabe and I have had a chance to see it because we didn't get a chance to see it yet. So, uh, yep. again, I want to thank uh, the folks at AMC uh, Thrills and Chills for uh, sponsoring this sponsoring this uh, segment uh, and the interview with jordan peele a huge thank you to them for um, basically just helping to support this show yeah uh, and so find links in the description uh, for more information on not just um their throws and chills program but where you can find tickets to go see nope in your market at your local amc theaters um so let's get to our tier list catch up uh we're gonna take a quick break before that happens and we'll be back on the other side
4: all right, we are back, and we're jumping right in. We're doing, we're doing a cleaning house, uh, boys. We've got some tier lists we got to catch up on. And uh, first things first, let's jump into Star Wars and talk about oh. Obi-Wan Kenobi. Um, Obi-Wan Kenobi, who wants to start? And let us know where, where Obi-Wan Kenobi lands. Should we start with our fanatic? Should we start with Jake?
0: Might as well. Makes sense.
3: Um, Obi-Wan Kenobi is a massive Star Wars disappointment, um, a an unbelievably unfathomable uh, missed opportunity where it was an easy run through the red zone and in, into the end zone. And somehow they fumbled the ball and it was I, I just I don't understand how you screw this up. I, I just really don't. Um, it, it's it to me, it looked cheap it looked like television it felt like television It uh didn't really give me anything that that made any of the characters more like yeah like sure like obi-wan was having a tough time i assumed he had, was having a tough time i i assumed <laughs> those years were tough for him to be honest with you um the the showdown uh, the rematch of the century between him and darth vader really left me wanting more uh, the show peaked with episode three and what I thought was just going to be a small taste of what was great greatness to come and that greatness never came um it just you know it just reminded me that like I'm not going to love everything with Star Wars and to me this was the nail in the coffin of like we got to move past Skywalker like that the story's done so let's stop going back to the well. Let's stop trying to like use all the like, like, let's get out into the far reaches of the galaxy and give me some new characters to tell me about. Tell me some new stories, because I think we have uh, tapped out all of the potential are for, with the stories that exist within this timeline. Are you excited for Andor, though, the way I am? No, that, no. No. Nope. To me, I'm like nope. I really like Rogue One. I like that character. I, mean, yeah. I, I like Rogue. Yeah, I yeah I like that. But like, I gotta be honest. Like, I'm perfectly fine if that's as far as with that character. Like, I'm just like I'm I'm like yeah. stop tethering it to things that we already know. Totally agree.
0: Yeah, no, that's exactly it. Is that because you introduce a whole new slate of characters doesn't mean that that character now gets a show, right? right. Like the, your next show could be anything. It yeah. could be anything that you uh, want it to be. I want um, a show. And that's part of the
2: reason. I want to show of the guy who gives solo his backstory.
0: He he might get a show for all we know. I might get announced Jake, at D23. That, Jake, did you cool give show. that a, a letter grade on the tier list? I'm gonna be
3: incredibly generous oh. and give it a C. Wow, that's generous.
4: Okay, Kev, where are you at with Obi-Wan? I haven't I haven't finished Obi-Wan. Oh, that's right, that's right. You haven't finished oh, okay.
0: Obi-Wan. Okay. Well, uh, I'm at i I'm at a C also, to be fair. C also? But I'm probably at a more like a little more positive C
4: yeah
0: um if only because I, I'm exactly
4: where Sean is like that's how I that's how I would have put it positive yeah C.
0: I I can't go to I can't go a C to a plus
3: as they might say
4: I C can't plus go to a B a there's trending enough things B, as we in say. it
0: that didn't work um but there are enough things in it that that I thought were were good that yeah. I was cool that I got to see um but but missed opportunity is is a hundred percent the right way to describe it and should have been not even a layup you know should have been a, a, a three-pointer to win the game kind of thing and, yeah. and ended up not being it and so uh yeah i can't go i can't go higher than i'm
3: isn't, I'm that, s- isn't that just unfathomable like like the fact that we're talking about what degree of
4: c to give this well, show they made the rise of skywalker so like i'm never surprised by how bad star wars can be but um Hey, Skywalker's <laughs> a C in the tier list. But
0: also, also, like, they hung their hat on this being a really important show for them. And if yeah. that's what they produced, like that's yeah. surprising. I,
4: I do want to give some pause. I do because there are things that I like. I love Ewan's back, and he feels like him, the character just fe- it just sure it feels very natural to yeah. him. He was always the best part of the prequels. He was great. Uh, Leia is awesome. Um, I really like that character. I wasn't really I hadn't set too many expectations for the show, but I wasn't expecting it to be so much of like uh, Obi-Wan with an adventure with Leia. And and that does make a lot of sense of like tying in again, I don't need them to tie this all together, but tying in sort of um, Leia's relationship with Obi-Wan at the beginning of A New Hope and sort of why that why that is what it is. Um, I really enjoyed it. And it does have really cool Star Wars moments. Like it has some really good saber, uh, lightsaber fights. Darth Vader does a lot of badass stuff. Um, and I did enjoy, and I think I mentioned this on a previous episode, but I did enjoy, um, is it the third sister? I forget which sister she is in that, in that like order. But is her name Reva? Reva, yeah. 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 yeah, I really, I did enjoy her. I felt like she wasn't given enough. Um, I honestly, that would have been a character that they could have built a show around that I would have liked. Like what happens to a youngling that survived yeah. The Wrath of Anakin. Like yeah. that's yeah. cool. Like
3: let let, yeah. let that like, show honestly, be hers. that's, let the that's show be a hers. show. Yeah. Yeah. Let yeah. me ask you guys I, I feel like they hide behind the excuse of like, well, technically we didn't do anything that goes against um canon in the original trilogy. But there were some choices made, particularly within the final act of the finale, where I just sort of went, Okay, technically you don't screw up anything with canon. Yeah. But that's yeah. just stupid. Like, like l- the fact that we are now supposed to believe that at some point in his childhood, Luke was chased through caves with someone with a lightsaber and he just simply didn't see it because he didn't <laughs> turn around. <laughs> yeah. the, like the, you know, the, this idea of like Luke has met Obi-Wan before, but he just doesn't remember because right. in seven years he turns from Ewan McGregor to Alec Guinness. Like, I don't, you say that,
4: but like, I don't remember that they had never met. I thought he, he knew of him.
3: I feel like I always I always got the impression of like he knew of this old guy. He's never heard of Obi-Wan. He because he says, I wonder if he means old Ben Kenobi. But the way he talks about him as is in my impression. I'm trying to think of whenever he whenever Ben saves him from the Tusken Raiders. Does he know who he is in that moment? I yeah, well we'll we'll step away from yeah, that because yeah, I don't sorry, remember sorry, sorry, enough sorry, yeah. to be in ex- the weeds. To be exactly like, to
4: me, I always understood it as he knew him
3: as old yeah. Ben and
4: and in the world sure. of A New well, Hope. Old Ben yeah. was just this crazy old guy that lived yeah. in the I caves. did love
3: the touch of like these are the little touches I love. Obi-Wan was the one who gave him the toy that we see him playing yeah. with in a new hope. Like those mm-hmm. are the little moments where I go, Yes, that's that's exactly the sort of little thing I'm looking for. Don't try to explain don't try to tell me that Luke has been chased by someone with a lightsaber and then but like but then didn't he didn't turn around so we didn't see it
0: but then one of the funniest tweets Uh, that i saw maybe i mentioned this on the show is what leia's hologram hologram message to obi-wan kenobi is like uh you fought with my father in the clone wars as if to say like this is how you should know who i am yeah and that she needs to add on, like. Also, remember that time we went on this really cool yeah, that, adventure yeah. where you yeah. saved me from. This. Yeah, <laughs> we I, went I, planet hopping yeah. together. And, and we have discussed this before, but I, <laughs>
3: I, genuinely am at a point where, like, I know that there, every, you know, there are certain things that fall under "quote unquote" canon. But I am now at a point where I'm going to just pick and choose what I believe <laughs> is canon, and I that's choose fine. not to believe Obi Wan Kenobi. I just choose right. to believe like that's fun Ooh. fan fiction. Obi Wan Kenobi, and I just oh. don't. I just don't buy it. All right, Obi Wan Kenobi Ow. is a
4: C. Uh, let's move on A uh, back scene. into the Marvel tier list. Oh, C1, um, Kenobi. We have... <laughs>
0: all right, all right. <laughs> right. We have... Um, <laughs> I'll, let, I'll let Jake
3: finish. That was good. <laughs> Thank you. That was so that much was better you. than your opening joke. Thank you. Thor.
4: Thor Love and Thunder, folks. We've got to add it to the tier list. Uh, uh, in our previous full episode, not technically last week's episode, but our last full episode, 221. Um, we talked Thor Love and Thunder review. Uh, we did spoilers. We're not gonna get into spoilers here for Thor. Um, if Jake wants to share a little bit about his thoughts, because he was not there to review it, um he covered the floor, but we'll kind of the rest of us will quickly give our letter grade. Yeah. Um so Jake, I will start with you again if you want to sort of round off sure. some of your thoughts.
3: Um, I will just say that I I really liked it. Um, I'm on the record as having I I love Taika's sense of humor. Um, Mm -hmm. I didn't think it was quite as tight as Ragnarok. I think Ragnarok is is top five MCU for me. But for Love and Thunder, it sort of reminded me of like a Marvel movie equivalent of like a Family Guy episode, which is just a collection of like, wouldn't it be funny jokes just kind of tethered together with a loose storyline? They felt like there were a bunch of like interesting sequences or fun sequences but like they didn't ever fight quite. They never, they never found a way to kind of like make them mesh well together as well as they did with Ragnarok. Um, I think Christian Bale was far better. I I think Christian Bale deserved a better movie, but there are a lot of aspects of it that I actually ended up finding. I found the, the final act actually very moving. Um, and a lot of the stuff with Natalie Portman, um, I found myself very, very moved by, um, particularly the, the second post credit scene. Um, I, I just, you know, so so I felt things I, I laughed out loud multiple times. I thought the black and white battle sequence was phenomenal. Um, and and Bale was is we're going to be end up being one of my favorite MCU villains. Um, so for the market, I, I can't walk out saying that I was disappointed. I actually really enjoyed it. OK, and where do you put it on the list? I'm going to put it a, a, a very confident B. OK, and
0: Sean. I I called this my favorite Thor movie. I called you it the did. best of the Thor movies, mm-hmm. and I'm going to echo a lot of what Jake said. And I kind of wish I really want to go back and see it in the theaters a second time. I wish I got a chance to see it before we did this to really solidify because to me, looking at what we have here, it's an A. Um, because I thought it was I thought it had a better story than Ragnarok uh, does, but interesting, um, and a lot of the same humor because of. The uh, motivations of the villain, which I thought were really strong, uh, I like the fact that Gore, the God Butcher, is going after these people because of the death of his family. Um, I mm. loved the Natalie Portman story. I, I, mm, I wish it. Same. I wish it got more time. I think that that there are chunks of it that were probably taken out. Um, and well, didn't they say, say that? Didn't about, they say there
4: was like a four-hour cut originally? It,
0: it, that makes sense because it does yeah. feel like some of it is rushed and rushed for and no reason. the fact that it's one fifty
3: eight, like whenever I see one fifty eight, yeah. particularly for a Marvel movie, I think they well, told you it had to be under two hours. Yeah, didn't they? yeah.
2: Also, Hemsworth, Hemsworth told me in, our, in my interview that that they shot an entire dance sequence set to ABBA. That was yeah. like with Thor shooting lightning bolts out of his hand and they took it out was, of the was movie. That
3: a st- that, did that story blow? I feel like that's a story I never
2: heard. Like that story should have blown up. Oh, I don't know. Uh, I think two stories broke from my interview with him. There was the ABBA mm. story and then uh, the story about his daughter playing love. Mm. Yeah. Oh, um, yeah. Right. And because Tyka's kids are in the movie and Chris Hemsworth's kids are in the movie. Portman's kids are in the movie. Bale's kids are in the movie. Um, and obviously Hemsworth's young son plays the little Thor running uh, through the uh, the uh, forest cool. as he's getting older. That's really cool. Yeah. Um, But I I, I I saw a quote from Taika Waititi that really kind of rubbed me the wrong way. Well, it was, I think it was a couple things. It was the director's cut aspect of a quote that I read from him that mm-hmm. I didn't particularly care for. And then the deleted scenes quote that I read from him. Now, I, I want to give him the benefit of the doubt, because when you read quotes on social media, anything can be taken out of context. Right. Um, but the quote that I read about the deleted scenes, I didn't particularly care for that. It was something along the lines of, and I'll, I'll paraphrasing him, but like if they were deleted, that means they weren't good enough essentially. Right. It's kind of like, I'm, you know, yeah. if I'm, if I'm misquoting him, please tell me, um, and I thought that was a little weird because, like, the people that were cut out of the movie still showed up and did their thing, like you know. And 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 I don't, I want to say Goldbl- Jeff
0: Goldblum was cut and Peter Dinklage, right. I think Lena, Lena, yeah, Lena Headey, also wow, yeah, Game of yeah. Thrones,
2: okay. wow. So um, again, I don't know the circumstances. I just thought that was really dismissive. Um, I like deleted scenes. I'm a, I mean, I grew up on features on Blu-rays and DVDs and like. Part of the reason why I know how Christopher Nolan makes his movies is because I've watched the Dark Knight Blu-ray over and over and over again, listening to his commentary, watching deleted scenes or alternate cuts. One of my favorite alternate cuts of all time. There's a shot where I'm trying to remember uh, because I've seen both and you guys can remember in the Dark Knight when Ledger walks out of the hospital, he gets into the the bus and then the bus takes off, right? Mm -hmm. Um, There's another angle on that shot. I want to say it's with him in the the bus um, as he travels off again, a deleted shot. I could have it the other way around, but either way, it was another version of that scene, another camera on that scene that I'm thankful uh, that uh, uh,
4: exists. uh, A clarification question. Was he saying that in reference to he doesn't ever want to release them? Is that what you're saying?
2: I will yeah. get the exact quote, um, but from what I understand, the okay. way he said it was as if and I'll, I'll get the exact quote real quick. Um, While you're doing but that, Sean,
4: yeah. what would you, your
2: letter? Agreed? I got it. I, gotta I got to say,
0: hey, I got it. A. I got to go okay. A because of how, how be? I judged a. it next to the other Thors. I also think it's re- I think it's really good. I really. Enjoy but are it. we? Spo- I didn't think we were supposed to do that, though. We're not. But, but also when I came out of it, I did put it in my because I have a ranking. I keep a ranking of the of things in, in a notepad on my phone yeah. and I put it. I put it at number eight. <laughs> Of all okay. time. I time, all right. time. I, good. I did. So this
2: is a quote told to the insider. I'm I'm not going to give you a moment because this is my way of telling you. Like people say, I can't wait for the deleted scenes with these actors. Quote, I don't want people to see the deleted scenes because they're deleted for a reason. They're not. They aren't good enough. The scenes were not in the movie and that's
4: it. So, so I. Yeah, that's I mean, I. yeah, I see what you're I, saying. I see you're saying it's a miss. Like I, you would miss out on getting to see that. But I would understand from a filmmaker's perspective of like. I get it. If he doesn't want them seen, then he doesn't want them seen. You sure. Know, like you got to like, give the freedom to, you know, you shoot what you shoot, but you have the editing bay as like your way of reforming something. I could understand. Oh,
2: that. Listen, I, I, under, I, listen, I, if I were in his position and I was making movies at this scale and I had scenes that I didn't think were good enough, <laughs> yeah, I, I, would, probably, I wouldn't I, want anybody to do. Yeah, yeah. I probably wouldn't put them out of view either, but you're making movies at a scale where people are interested in that stuff sure. um mm-hmm. and, and in my per, you know i would i would love to see thor dancing to abba i think that right. would be an amazing now again i don't think that scene belonged in the film if they went to a straight up dance scene in the movie i don't think it would have worked tonally i don't think the movie worked tonally anyways but in terms of like that scene why would you not pump that out on the blu-ray or or the special features like they Thor Fluff and Thunders on Blu-ray today. Catch yeah. the un- I mean, Do you guys remember as a kid how cool it was to pick up an American Pie DVD that said unrated, unseen in <laughs> theaters? And it had yeah, all yeah. these like, I mean, again, it's, it's an interesting thing. And then the right. director's cut quote from him, I need to find. But he kind of made a qu- comment about negatively about director's cuts. He says and they're found- never good.
0: Essentially, he that- says they're never good. That's
2: absurd. Has anybody not seen Ridley Scott's like different versions of Blade Runner? Or um, you know, there's multiple different versions.
0: Yeah, Yeah, someone someone tweeted about Taika, and it's kind of true. They're like, I've never met a director who dislikes film as much as he does.
2: Here's the thing: I think Taika. I think is a very talented filmmaker. I, I think that he, he understands action really well. I think some of the best action I've ever seen in the MCU is the, the opening of Ragnarok, when his hammer is just going right. in and out of those action scenes, or even the beginning of Love and Thunder. That action sequence to, is badass. To bring, us,
4: to bring us back on track, though, what's your letter grade for Thor Love and Thunder? Uh, we, have a, we, have a, we have a strong B, we have an A. I mean, I gave the movie a three and a half out of five, so does that set it? me minus? minus? I don't like to think of it like that because we're doing something different. I mean, if that's how you want to frame it, that's fine. But I would say like w- when you think of this tier list and, and again, not referencing what's already there, because this is a jumbled average of all of our <sighs> scores for you, if you're going to rank it within the Marvel universe, is it an A Marvel movie? Is it a B Marvel movie? Is it a C Marvel movie?
2: When you put it like that, I mean, this is also coming from the person who I think Thor one is the best Thor movie by far. Um, I think the point is the point is
4: this is an average of all of our opinions. Yeah.
2: Hmm? I'm still at a C then because okay, yeah. like I it's funny when I walked out of the film, I texted you guys. I was like, I didn't realize that Taika was making a, a scary movie spoof of <laughs> of the MCU um, down to the point where they have infinity cones for sale. I was like, and I get yeah. that that's funny, but it's like it just but tonally it just like that. My biggest issue, the reason why I'm going to go see on it, even though I would probably lean towards B, but I would right. still stay in the C category is I don't think the film worked tonally. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think maybe had he given it an extra 30 minutes or 20 minutes or whatever, right. those shifts just didn't work. And well, like, you know, it, just didn't, it just didn't flow. Yeah, it didn't, yeah, yeah. Like, Sorry, I, I, like all I, I don't, of that stuff cut, was
4: awesome. No, you're yeah. good, you're good. I don't mean to cut you off, but I do, people can check out our full, because you did, we got to talk at length about this, so I want to plug that again, our, where we did the full review and we got to talk spoilers. You can hear more context of myself uh, Kevin and Sean. Also, I'm sorry I will about give it a the
2: negative uh, 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 speech about Tyka. I just thought those two
4: quotes kind of rubbed me sure. the wrong way. That's uh, all. For me, it's a B. I B trending C. It's it's some the cool oh, you're moments, near Me, yeah, yeah. For me, the the cool moments save it from being a C. I think uh, in my mind. On a second watch, I might I might fall into either one. Um, but the cool moments are cool, and and uh, like I said, check out that. Uh, episode uh, 221 to get my full thoughts on that but a lot of it revolves around sort of this feeling like a um Hollywood sequel to Ragnarok versus um, an original and that'll put us in the B 2 Bs and A and a C will put us um, at a B for Thor Love and Thunder
0: um, I'm also good
2: not hearing some Guns N' Roses tracks for a while now I just, yeah, they they just did don't it.
4: my my thought my thought when that hit because it was during the the um it was during the Guardians. And, and I don't know, like, I would imagine if I'm Taika Waititi, I'm calling James Gunn and I'm like, hey, I'm directing your characters and I want to have a rock song. Like, can I pick from your playlist? Or like, can we, I would want to work with him because he's so good at that. And to me, it felt like it was a lesser James Gunn uh, you know, yeah. pull. Well, um, but, I'm glad
2: you brought up Gunn. and I'll mention this real quick before we move on. To sure. me, Guardians 1 is the exact Type of tonal dramatic to comedy that works so well because if you think about the movie. beginning of like Star-Lord's story and and even in Guardians 2 which I don't love um the Kurt Russell stuff and the, and, the, and the mom stuff and, and the playlist and the mixed playlist right. like the way James handled those were so grounded in a in a reality even though we we're playing in space right and I think those the way James handled those bridges, there was a bridge between those moments that worked well. That's really kind of like to me, that's James Gunn kind of nailed that. That's why I thought it was like and that's kind of like the pinnacle of what I compare it to in terms of like if you want to. Tonally shift, right? That, that guy did it right. We opinion.
4: will uh, press on. We will press on with Miss Marvel. I believe Sean and I are the only ones who have finished this series. Am I correct? Is Sean and I for this one? Um, so if you're new here or haven't caught it, the way this will work, Sean and I will rank it today. Um, but if later down the road, because um, there's a lot of media, not enough time to watch everything, especially the TV, so we're not too much of a stickler on it. Sean and I will give the ranking. Um, and if either of the guys watch it and they come back and they want to add to that, um, we will reaverage that score. Potentially on, I show, feel potentially like on the since show. Potentially on There's We've never so had many, that
0: issue, but. There's so many Spider Man movies down the bottom. Should we mention that, like, we did the premium? We did Spider Man well, tier uh, list on a premium, that's, right?
4: People won't see that what you're seeing down on the bottom. Spider Man, oh. this is just a different thing. Yeah, yeah. We're not gotcha, doing, gotcha, like, gotcha. the Netflix shows or the. But yeah, this is just a separate thing. But uh, gotcha. Miss Marvel is what we're doing today. Um, Sean, do you want to take it away? Your thoughts on Miss uh, Marvel? I'm
0: like going to yeah. I'm going to go B. Okay. Um, okay. Uh, even though I really, really liked it. Yeah, um, and I think that um Iman Vellani is perfect casting for um Kamala Khan.
4: It's the cliche and- uh uh um but it like totally fitting. It's
0: inspired
4: casting. You know what it I mean? It really is. Because yes. it's as soon as you see her in the role, you're yep. like, there's not another human being who could who could be this good.
0: And Miss Marvel is a tough character to translate because on page she can be really cartoonish, um, which is funny to say about a comic book, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, because of her powers and a lot of the stuff that she gets involved in, which are very high school-y um, type of social drama. And, you know, she's she's not in the popular clique, and and it can be overdone stereotypically the way that you do a lot of high school stuff. Um, but I thought they did a tremendous job of sort of covering a lot of ground in terms of the history of um, her family and the bangle that gives her her power. Um, and it got into some really interesting places with uh, Pakistani culture and Muslim culture. And it did a really nice job of balancing. It almost took on too much and 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 still yeah. balanced it really well. The only thing that keeps it from going to an A for me, and this just might be the limitations of the TV show, is that in some instances, and not even around her powers, but just in some instances of the fight choreography in general, uh, or some of the times when she was fighting against this villain group called the red daggers. I'm pretty sure their name of the red daggers. Um, it just seemed TV, you know, it it felt yeah. like a little, it felt a little cheap. It felt a little Marvel TV, mm-hmm. um, which is what's going to keep me from putting it on an a level. But I left that series. F- like more excited to see where she's going to go next. And I'm actually kind of thrilled that the next place we're going to see her is in, is in a movie because I do feel like Marvel movies hit differently than the TV shows do. Mm-hmm. Whether it be just not, from budget or from scale or from I'm whatever it is. I'm
2: glad that you brought that up real fast. And, and I'm not participating in this tier list because sure. I haven't finished Miss Marvel yet, but Sean hit the nail on the head. That's exactly what I'm excited about. Like I, this show made me like, I, I told Iman when I interviewed her for TV, I was like, I haven't been this excited about a new younger character in the, in the MCU since Holland dropped into civil civil war. And yeah. I, and like, I can't imagine how fun she will be like, imagine her with the guardians and like, and like the cool thing about with Spider-Man at least is that like Peter Parker is a fan of the Avengers and knows about the Avengers, but he doesn't like he geeks out, but he doesn't like super, super, like I don't think he was doing journals and like MCU, um, you know, timelines like Amon's character was in Miss Marvel. Um, But, you know, he was a fan. So I, I, I would love to see that character dropped into a scenario with the guardians or the Avengers or Thor, or, I mean, I, th- I just think it'd be really, a really cool thing to watch. I know we're going to get part of that kind of partially with the Marvels and with, with, yeah. And with, there's, uh, a button, Brie Larson.
0: there's a button at the very end, like a mid credits or end credits scene on the finale have that sort of teases. Oh um, yeah. A, a team. up okay. that She's going to have. So it's cool. I mean, I know she's what amazing. It is. Yeah. So cheater.
4: we <laughs> are going to land on a B. I also, I, I very much agree with you, Sean, and um, pretty much everything you said where, I love the character. I love so much what they did. I think it's an incredibly important um, piece of media, like for our culture I right agree. now um, and kind of where in our culture, the last 20 plus years, like this is maybe the only piece of American media that I can point to where like Allahu Akbar is said, and it's meant to be this positive thing and it's done. Mm-hmm. So around a family and this and, and this uh, community, um, yeah. and so many of the people that made it like getting to see them talk about how important it was to them and how much, um, how much emphasis they put on being able to express themselves, express their culture, their own families and kind of where they came from. And it does so in a way where it doesn't, um, it, it does so
3: naturally, I think naturally is the yeah. word where it doesn't it, it, overshadow it doesn't anything. important, but not important. If that makes any sense, yeah, like, this it felt wasn't... like important that, that like it was a part of the story, but also right. like not so much that like, this is the driving force of, of the plot, it just—it was very right. natural, and, and it was—it was, it was, it it was to,
4: nice to put it in term, maybe like a, in terms of this show, it wasn't trying to like appease an Oscar audience with yes. that sort of uh, culturally, like with that sort of issue. It was just it was just allowing the characters to be honest and putting them in a setting that made sense, and then just being true to that. Mm-hmm. Um, and because of that, a lot of the show feels fresh. A lot of the characters feel fresh. You're you're just sort of being introduced to. Uh, new things that we just haven't seen on screen and and they and they're just sort of naturally happening and that's great and i loved following the show week to week um and watching people talk about it um and people that come from that background learning so much about it enhanced the experience for me um, and so i do want to point out that i think it's a very important piece of media that we've had um and and that doesn't necessarily affect yeah. its grade on you know the marvel scale that's a sort of a different silly thing that we're doing here but um, but I did want to point that out because I find that really interesting and great. And I agree with Sean in that I loved the character, and I I remember in the finale I was like, ah, this isn't really like landing like in a way where I'm like, this is blowing me away. But it is doing it what it needs to do in the sense that I'm a hundred percent in on her as a character. And I said to myself like, man, I can't wait to see what they do with a with a movie budget and like a and at a, yeah. at a yeah. movie scale. Like like I thought that. And and for me, honestly, like we spent a better part of like the last decade of Marvel sort of constantly being like, yeah, it's an, now it's just an origin story. Yeah. They're just kind of rehashing the origin thing. If, if this new phase, like if they can kind of get on this pattern and I think these TV shows are only going to get better, but if they can sort of use those as ways to introduce characters so that when they land in that big budget, I can get a new interesting story with other characters involved. And I don't need to like, because her, her story about her family, how she gets her powers and all of that that's that's told out through you know several episodes like there's only so many ways they can do that in a movie and if we had gotten a movie version of that it would have not really i don't think felt as fresh well, and they wouldn't have had as much time to sort of here's
0: the build comparison um america chavez kind of gets stuck into a doctor strange sequel yeah and you learn a little bit about her but not nearly right. the amount that you did uh about Mala in exactly Ms. marvel who got six episodes also want to i want to point out quick that um bilal and adil who directed the first two episodes i believe and then the finale And the finale
4: yeah
0: um their style oh. is so great yeah. yeah and when they returned for the finale it made me realize that the other episodes were good but they're special um and i yeah. want marvel to continue to turn the the reins over to really talented directors. Yeah. Or, or do you think they're going they're going
3: to start using these series to kind of test the water, almost use them as auditions Probably. for directors? Yeah, like, I, I, so. I, I, don't I don't know how you like look at their work on Miss Marvel and not think, yeah, let's give them a 2 I wonder hour if it's more co-
4: it's more complicated than an audition. It kind of depends on how they do it. Cuz like directing for TV and directing for film like when it comes to like the logistics of directing like managing a produ- production and sure. that budget it's very different like I could see someone who flourishes in a serialized sense but maybe a feature doesn't necessarily work and like that doesn't you know I don't I don't know that it would be as easy to um to tap I, but it could be it, I mean I think when you have six or seven episodes like why not give someone an episode to um to live in that world but
0: And if you are listening to our show for the first time, um, you also have to go back and listen to our interview with Bilal and Adil, uh, who directed Bad Boys 3. No, uh, yeah, Bad Boys 3, even though it's called Bad Boys for Life. Bad Boys for Life, yeah. That screws me up. That brings our
4: tier list catch-up little segment here to an end, and I will pass the reins back to Sean to get us through uh, this weekend movies, some fun movie reviews this week.
0: Let's get into the new films that are coming to a theater near you, starting with uh, Alone Together, which is a limited movie. That is going to be coming to select markets. I don't think any of us had a chance to see it, unfortunately. So you guys will have to go into that movie alone together. Uh, oh. <laughs> Billy Porter has a movie coming to Prime Video called Anything's Possible. Um, and we have a review of it on Cinema Blend. I know Corey Chisola, uh, who writes for us, got a chance to see it and also speak with uh, Billy Porter. So go over to the site and check that out. But instead, uh, because we were on the road last week doing so much travel... We managed to see, or at least the boys did, uh, managed to see The Gray Man, uh, the Netflix film that is going to theaters uh, and is playing in select theaters as we speak. And then is going to be coming to Netflix this Friday, week, right on Friday. OK, so Friday, when you're listening to this, you could potentially be uh, turning on The Gray Man and checking it out. So, Kev, why don't you kick us off and let us know how The Gray Man plays? Because I was really excited for it. I was excited because um, I like the Russos and uh, I was excited to see Chris Evans and Ryan Gosling doing their thing. But the first trailer, if I'm being completely honest, underwhelmed uh, me. So um, how did this play?
2: Well, I mean, obviously the Rooster Brothers are, you know, filmmakers that we love on the show. Um, mm-hmm. And this was a big, under a huge, massive uh, film for them. I mean, I, I don't want to... I want to say it's the most expensive movie in Netflix history, next to Red Notice or if not Beyond. Um and it's it's a relentless two hour just action filled film. Um, and I, I I remember sitting down with them in L.A. I don't know how they got a 13 rating on this. It's probably one of the most violent PG-13 movies I have ever seen. Oh, wow. um, Interesting. It is just and Joe and Anthony were talking about how much of a battle it was to get that R rating. They said they were within millimeters of getting an R. Um, So let me
0: ask a question about that. If you only go to Netflix, do you need a rating?
2: Yeah. Well, because you're released. Well, it's an interesting question. So, and I could be wrong. So people can point this out if I am Um, before Netflix started putting movies in theaters first, prior to going to streaming, I believe they were considered TV MA or TV 14. I, I think. Interesting. Okay. Um, but when Irishman and all those films started coming out, I, th- I believe Roma and uh, had an R rating. I believe Irishman had an R rating, a specific MPA rating. Um, I could be wrong on my timeline, but because they're going to theaters, especially like a week or two or three weeks yeah, yeah, prior yeah. to the, yeah. I think you have to have a rating to go into theaters. I, okay. And if you don't, then, uh, you know, Netflix is interesting because Netflix doesn't play in AMCs and Regals. Right. Um, and I think that's where we're headed I really do. I think that I really think the gray man should have had a 45 day release and then went to Netflix. And I think that's, you know, people, we've been seeing stories online about knives out, maybe going down that route where, because Netflix can make a lot of money at the box office. Um, The question is going to be
0: massive stars.
2: Right. And the question is going to end up being whether or not AMCs and Regals will allow a 45 day window. If Netflix and AMC and Regal can come to an agreement, then Netflix can start making that box office money because here's the thing. The great man comes out Friday. It'll be talked about for three or four days and then there's going to be, it's just going to drop. And I'm not saying that in a bad way, but that's kind of the way this stuff works is it's released. And then you don't really have these like, like think about Top Gun. The box office story was a promotion every single week. We're talking about Top Gun every week. All right. So tangent aside, the movie it's, it's really solid. I was impressed with the action. It's huge scale. Some of the CG isn't as good as I would hope it would be. Um there yeah. are It's funny because like you'll be in the middle of these gigantic action scenes like in Prague or on an airplane and everything is awesome until maybe they get to the final moment of the action scene where like Ryan Gosling's running on top of a car or whatever like a Fast and Furious moment. Yeah, then yeah, yeah. it looks a little CG. Um but Gosling carries the hell out of this film I thought he was great as the lead um I thought Ana de Armas was great Chris Evans I thought was great in this villain role um the the stash was amazing it, it the stash itself was just a character in itself it was it made him such a piece of crap that character I thought I, I thought he was I thought he played that beautifully um it leans Lloyd in, yeah it leans Lloyd but in terms <laughs> of action like this is just a straight up action movie it's straight okay. up action movie it's it, it is it's it's relentless. It's brutal. It's hardcore. Um, is there a story? I, so that's where I that's where my I ding the point off of my reviews. I gave it a four out of five. Um, yeah, the script is not great. It's okay. Right. Um, the story revolves around Ryan Gosling's character as a CIA operative, one of their most skilled operatives. He was in prison prior for a crime that he had committed, and Billy Wow Thornton comes to him and says, "I'm, I'm going to give you an out if you come work for the CIA." You know, it's a story we've seen a million times, sure, uh, sure. I think, at least not not to downplay that. But it is it's based on a book series. So It's not like, you know, it's like there's like nine books or something. So he essentially becomes a CIA operative and a hit gets put on him uh, because he uncovers some dark agency uh, things that are happening and he's about to expose them. So they hire. Chris Evans, character to come after him. And then Ana okay. de Armas is working with Gosling's character. And there is kind of a whole storyline there. Reggae jean Page is behind the scenes. I thought that was kind of a wasted part for him personally. But in terms of like the movie, it works. It delivers. It's a four out of five. I'm, I, I can't tell you that the script was anything mind blowing, but I had fun with it and it was well directed.
0: OK, JK, and Henry same? Jackman's
2: score is great, by the way.
3: Um, yeah, I liked it. It's I was I was pretty hard on the trailer uh, a few weeks back. And the the, the final product, the film is infinitely better than the trailer. Um, there's a part of me that kind of wishes it had picked a lane. There were moments where like the action is just so unbelievably over the top and ridiculous that it's almost borderline like Brosnan era bond. And then there are some aspects of it that are actually like very serious and a brutal, hardcore action film. And I kind of feel like it would have benefited the film if it had just decided to be one or the other. The shift back and forth kinda gave me cinematic whiplash a little bit. Kevin, what were you gonna say?
2: What what Jake is saying and, I, and I'm gonna give Jake Credit for this, because I saw I saw a tweet that summed up exactly what he said. It's basically like a James Bond mo- movie meets Fast and Furious. And J- J- what Jake is kind of saying is the Fast and Furious stuff, from what I can gather, took it over the top for you and you wish mm-hmm. it stayed more in the yep. Bond lane. Yeah, well,
3: like like I mean, if it had been like there's a there's a sequence in the film that's just insane in which Ryan Gosling has to jump out of a plane and save himself by holding on to a guy who's who has is, has a parachute. But he has to kind of skydive almost Black Widow style at him. And it's just ridiculous. And- insane and a ton of fun and so I sort of wish like okay like be that movie or the final fight between Gosling and Evans is hardcore and brutal and like rough and dirty like okay be that movie then like why I just you know um, I it's it's a very well-made version of a movie that I think we've seen before Uh, in terms of the scripting issues that Kevin talks about we as a society have to get past movies about looking for a flash drive we've got we've <laughs> got we've got to let go there there can be no more movies no more i don't want to see any more movies about looking for a flash drive We're yeah done. it's like, it's, it's, like it's, look, find it's, something yeah. else uh, uh find yeah. find find some other uh, uh what do they call it? a mcguffin like give give me a different mcguffin other, <laughs> other than a flash drive um for me the mvp is uh, is evans uh, he reportedly was was offered the Gosling role and instead asked for the Lloyd role. And when you see his performance, it's incredibly clear why. Like what he does with it is just phenomenal. Okay, I
4: want to I want to ask while you're there. Our uh, Mike Rez, uh ones, Mike Reyes. Yes. In his review, I haven't seen this film yet. Um, in his review, he compared Chris Evans to Kevin Klein's character in a fish called Wanda. He said he feels <laughs> like a darker like brother. Is that is that that's that that's so me on the movie when that he plays. yeah, yeah that's okay. that, that
3: play yeah like, I honestly feel like fun. to me I'm the sorry. movie lights up when he's there I think Gosling plays I feel like I, I'm curious as to how you feel about this a variation of his character from drive dude uh, a very I was sort just of about subdued, to say that yes yeah, a bit of a subdued quiet um I, I I liked it. And I, I really do think that people who let's be honest, 99% of people, I know it's playing in theaters at this very moment, 99% of people who watch this movie are going to press play in their home. And um, those yeah. people I think will enjoy it. And then unfortunately, as we said, we live in a world where like in three weeks, I'm not sure anyone's going to talk to us about this movie.
2: Yeah. Mm. I saw it in a theater and it was incredible, but I also understand that not everybody has access to a theater, but sure. Jake brings up a good point about the the thumb drive. It's like the story the story and the script are fine it's just it's just but the action jake man it's yeah awesome. i mean the action is it's, it's, it's
3: i mean look let's awesome. let's be honest the russo's know how to do an action scene yeah um they they just they just do um the prog the
2: so, scene is basically the winter soldier freeway scene just with yeah. more money <laughs>
3: yeah
0: so wait it was in theaters the weekend of the 15th to the 17th yep. correct
2: it opened up. Well, it's in theaters now. It's so the basically what they now, do yeah. is they they give it a one. Well, depends on the movie. Irishman got a three week, or Roma got a three week. Uh, Red Notice got a one week. This got a one week. Like Adam Project didn't get a theatrical. I don't know right. how they decide on it, but but uh, but they they gave this one a theatrical
0: for the first. I wonder week. if it's a I'm part of at,
4: um, negotiations with the director. Like I wonder if it's a part of the mm-hmm. director's contract. We should probably do a Netflix
3: movie blend.
0: I'm looking at uh I'm looking at the box office. I'm looking at box office Mojo and I do oh, I, I don't do think they reported oh is yeah. that what it is i don't well, you're talking
2: you're talking about like probably less than a million dollars like like
3: yeah. The, remember I, I, these I, I movies say, are, i want to say for yeah. like red notice it was less than a million yeah it they're was like not playing s- nine hundred thousand or something like that it's not yeah, playing it's not in the main theaters, theaters.
0: So. yeah oh really okay interesting yeah okay all right no, that's fine all right but the big movie that's coming to theaters uh as you guys know because you listened to our interview with jordan peele is nope and uh if you guys are watching at home i'm going to remove my headphones because even though these guys are going to talk spoilers I'm legitimately hours away from seeing it and don't want to hear anything about it. Um, I don't want to hear if they liked it. I don't want to hear if they disliked it. Don't want to hear any reasons why they might have liked Sean, it. We, liked Sean, it. we
3: shared a room together last week. We you did. know what we think about it. I, I, I we... whispered spoilers in your ear while you were sleeping. You already <laughs> know what's going to happen. Yeah, we're not still,
0: gonna... you... I will let you guys discuss Nope and uh, and I'll catch you guys back for the blend game. So, uh, Jakey, why don't you take it away?
3: Yeah, and um, no spoilers. I genuinely, truly from the bottom of my heart, love this movie. Um, yeah. And here's the thing is that it's a movie that as I was watching it, Kevin and I sat right next to each other and I, Kevin, correct me for am wrong. I felt like there were moments we were both like just physically leaned in closer to the screen, like just yeah. captivated. And I can't remember the last time I was in a movie where I so much didn't know what the next thing was going to happen was. Yep. I was so captivated by, what's happening and where do we go from here? And it's the, there were, there are a handful of sequences because it it is, I think a very, it's, it's a less traditional scary movie for lack of a better word, a horror film, as opposed to like a get out or an us. But I think there are sequences in this film that are the scariest of Peel's career. Oh, yeah. Um, there are Multiple sequences involving a barn, a sequence involving a monkey that I, that's the most anxious I have felt in a movie theater in years. Um It's. And I, I brought this up with, with Jordan Peele. I think this is Jordan Peele doing a love letter to Jaws. And I will discuss that further whenever we have the opportunity to to do a, a spoiler conversation. Um I, I kind of am, am jokingly calling it Sky Jaws. Um, but it's just I mean, the, the word that Jordan Peele keeps using and it's the perfect word for it is spectacle. And it's just. A different kind of spectacle than something like a Top Gun Maverick, but in the same degree of category of like, and it's such a cliche, but my God, this is why we go to the movies. It reminded me of like as kids, when we would go to the movies before the age of the internet where Mm -hmm. things would be ruined for us or spoiled or so many clips would be released or trailers would be out there and you just knew you wanted to see a movie and you would go and be surprised by what happened. And it kind of reminded me of that experience. I can't remember the last time I've had an experience like that. And I, I, just truly love everything about this movie, from the direction to the script, the performances to I mean, and I I also I mean, I'll I'll end by saying I think Get Out is probably his masterpiece. I mean, that is a perfect screenplay. But Nope is the film of his his that I'm most likely to revisit just to put it on for fun.
2: Yeah, and Jake brings up uh, first of all, um, I didn't say this earlier, but Jake and I have known each other since 2010 um, and when you watch the video of our Jordan Peele interview, that's something that Jake and I kind of always dreamed of doing was like, because we, we'd go into these junket rooms, we'd sit across in these actors and in, in these directors chairs and we're like, I remember like we would be like, Hey, what if one day we could sit down together and just go at it? Um, and obviously we, we, we wanted Sean there and it would, would have been better if Sean had been there, but it was just one of those like cool things that we got to do um, and to geek out with someone for a film that we genuinely loved. And you know sitting next to jake during the movie you know there was so many like you know elbow like this so cool kind of thing but jake brings up this point about the way you lean into a screen um and i gotta tell you right now like to put to jake's point about not knowing what was coming i was moving my ass off watching this movie like there's a moment and again this is not a spoiler this is actually in the trailer where Daniel Kaluuya like opens up a truck door and and puts his head out and looks up at the sky. I did that in my chair. <laughs> I was like physically moving and like trying to find more of the frame that didn't exist on the screen. Um, that's when you know a filmmaker's got you. Um, in terms of scares, yeah, this is this is definitely his most ambitious film. It is it it, it is so far beyond in terms of scale and scope. Um, Hoyte Van Hoytema, who shot this film. The cinematography is absurd uh, in, in the best way possible. Um, I I look at this. I mean, I saw someone said this, but I, uh, in, a, in a tweet or something about I'll never look at the sky the same again or the clouds the same ever again. I have not looked at the clouds diff- uh, the same since I watched. Nope. It has completely changed the way I look at the sky completely. Um, I'm always looking for something that's flying. And I think what and event did, did really well here. Is when you, and as Jordan said in the interview, they're gonna jump from the widescreen to the full blown IMAX. And depending on what theater you go to, you'll get the 190 or you'll get the 143, depending on where you go. But when you're in these IMAX shots and you're looking at a screen that's just sky and you're looking for the UFO, which is not a spoiler, it's in the trailers and he talks about it being a UFO, it's all good. Um, but you are searching for it. You become the character, you become the POV. Um, And that was an astounding immersion that I hadn't felt really in a long time. Um, And I got to tell you, Michael Abel's score, it's the best score he's written for Jordan's movies. Um, Jordan uh, has worked with Michael for the past uh, three films now. Um, The best score, most epic and most cinematic score he's written for him. At the same time, performance wise, Kiki Palmer is outstanding. Daniel Kaluuya, outstanding. Everybody in this cast, Michael Wincott, what a freaking performance. I want to watch an entire film just on that character. Um, and, you know, you listen to the show, you know how much I love film and we love movies. This movie is, you know, as you see in the trailers, they're ma- they're shooting something in the movie. They're trying to capture what they're seeing. They bring in an IMAX camera with inside the movie that Michael Wincott is using <laughs> to, to try and film what what they're what they're seeing um, in terms of scares. I haven't felt a disturbing feeling like that in my stomach, that like a pit in my stomach, probably since fake of Tremblay's death in Dr. Sleep. Um, and I don't mean that there's a scene or anything in this movie that takes you to the violence or the horror of that moment. But, you know, when you're watching something that you don't really understand and it's so deeply disturbing that your stomach just starts to feel weird and like there's a pit in your stomach and you almost feel like you almost like you don't know what to do. And there are three or four scenes in this film that I think are truly just utterly terrifying, unnerving to a point where I can't even like begin to describe in words what I felt like. And Jake mentions this barn scene. And I. I I mean, that that scene alone is one of the most terrifying scenes I've seen in a long time. Um, so I'll wrap it up on this. Uh, this is Jordan Peele on a grand scale. This is Jordan Peele on Nolan level, right? In terms of like operating in the in the film scope that he's dealing with here in terms of IMAX and shots and immersion. Um, Get Out and Us uh, were incredible achievements. Um, but this is definitely him taking a gigantic leap you know, you, you you look at Nolan's career and you look even look at like something like Batman Begins, Memento, those films. That was like, you know, I would argue put that in the get out um, the get out us re- arena in terms of like film scale and production. Then you jump into the Dark Knight in terms of like scope and immersion. And that's what you got here. This is kind of like his Dark Knight in a way, um, but I, I'll I'll leave it with that. I think it's a masterpiece. Um, I think that we are lucky to be living in a world where Jordan Peele is working. And Jake said the best thing that uh, I could say about this, I had no freaking idea where this was going. I still don't know where it's going. And I've said this as I said this to you guys all the time, like I'm not joking when I say we're not ready. For some of these movies nope is not a film that you're going to get fully on your first viewing and don't let that frustrate you i think i even told jordan this when i left the room i was like it kind of reminds me of that line from tenet like don't try to understand it feel it um he's putting you in this world let him take you along for the ride go back and analyze later you sit there and try to put, pick it all apart you're going to ruin the experience for yourself just go in it enjoy it and then go back and watch it like i've seen get out 10 plus times now And I see something new every single time. And that's what I'm hoping happens with. Nope. I haven't seen it in IMAX yet and I can't wait. So, uh, yeah, we're, we're lucky to be living in a world where Jordan Peele's working. I really mean that. And I'm, I can't, I'm honored that he was on our podcast. It's, it's it's like, it's a huge deal. I think he's going to be like a Hitchcock of our generation.
0: That's amazing. That is high praise as they say. So,
2: well, I mean, guys, um, we already And this is not like coming from nowhere. Get Out is literally one of the greatest movies I've ever seen. It's and Jake said it's a it's, it's literally a perfect script. And we've already we already know what this where this guy's operating. Right. We already know what level he's operating on. But give him these tools. Give him Hoyta Ben Hoytema and 65 mil IMAX.
0: Man. Uh, you know, what I'm, I'm bummed about is that my screening tonight is not in IMAX. It's in Dolby. Yeah,
2: mine wasn't either. So, oh, 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 I'm glad you mentioned Dolby. I'll, and I'll end on this. Sound design. Uh, this was actually in our interview with Jordan. There's a really cool mo- uh, moments in the film where, as we are dealing with the UFOs, the 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 atmosphere and the world that you're in changes in terms of sound design and and picture. Um, whether or not he's jumping to the IMAX, but he'll pull the sound out of the scene completely. Okay, and and in Dolby, you're going to hear that in Atmos. It's probably going to be an insane experience. I mean, I'm sure Dolby is amazing. And again, you guys know I'm, I'm an IMAX guy. But if you can see it in the best sound or the best picture, Dolby or IMAX are your best ways to go because it is catered and made for that experience.
0: Okay, one of the things that Kevin says in the text thread um, when we <laughs> approach a Jordan Peele movie is that he's scared, which is why yeah. we are playing hashtag scared blend, uh, and we are picking out the movies. Moments in movies, uh, or potentially in a movie theater, specifically in a movie theater, um, when you felt the most scared. Uh, and I want to mention again that this week's blend game is made possible by the our friends at AMC's Thrills and Chills. Make sure you go check out AMC's Thrills and Chills for all the latest horror and suspense that is headed to theaters near you, including Nope, which we've been talking about uh, all episode long. Um, Jake, let's start with you. What's the uh, what's your choice for Scared Blend?
3: Um, so you guys know I, I grew Chairs, up noisy. loving, loving horror films. Um, I was obsessed with Scream, particularly when it came out. Um, riding off of the wave of that, I was nine years old when my parents took me to the theaters to see a film called I Know What You Did Last Summer, Yeah, um, which is an infinitely more complicated movie. Than people give it credit for like following the thread of who the killer is and why he's the killer is always I I always forget like the connection it's not as simple as like taking off the mask and it's Billy Loomis it's very complicated as to why the killer is the killer and I know what you did last summer
0: but you don't remember who the killer is yeah I was gonna say say, because now I want to rewatch it exactly and then when you
3: have to like follow the thread of why he's the killer it's very complicated (laughs) um so that being said, I, I'm, I am going to ruin the, the final shot of this movie. And for that, I apologize. Um, I'll never forget the final moment of that film. I'm nine years old, loving this movie, like getting scared, you know, jumping at the jump scares. But like, I'm still in it. There's a great sequence where um, she has to walk through a department store. And mannequins are covered in plastic and like the man in the slicker is also covered in plastic. But you don't know which one he is. That's mm. great. But at the very end. Jennifer Love Hewitt survived. She's talking to her boyfriend, Ferdie Prince Jr. on the phone and, and she's doing OK. And like they're really taking and all this sort of these, stuff. with yeah. these casting choices. I, all right. Gonna, yeah, it's not, it's not living, living in an era. So <laughs> she um, goes into uh, a, she's in college and she goes into like a community shower. Right. It's steamy and she hangs up the phone and, you know, things are going. She's about to get in the shower. And then she looks at the shower glass wall. And written in the steam on the wall is, I still know. Oh, interesting. Push in on the door, push in on her, push in on the door. And then all of a sudden, he jumps out through the glass, cut to black, end of the movie. Oh, wow. Done. Okay. And I'll never forget being nine years old. I must have jumped 10 feet up in the air, <laughs> fell down to the ground, <laughs> covered myself in a fetal position. Yeah. And I don't remember I, in my mind, I was in that position for an hour. I remember my parents actually having to like pry me like, it's okay. It's (laughs) okay. Like I wasn't, I I wasn't like crying or anything. I was just like frozen in fear. Yeah. And I just remember like it, it just was. And now funny, it's funny as I go back and watch that scene. And of course I'm 34 and I'm like, okay, like, yes, it's a fun, you know, but like in that moment, not knowing what was going to happen, the theatrical experience being nine that might be the single most—I mean, it physically froze me, um, and so that has to be the most scared I've ever been in a movie theater. I mean, that 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 single moment
0: scared the shit out of me, That's and I really love it funny. so much. That's really funny. Um, all right, I'm going to tell one that I've told before, and mine isn't a jump scare. It's something that was more disturbing, and it was disturbing because of how it happened um, and during the time of our lives. When it happened Um, and it's insidious, the first insidious movie, which is the very first time. And I think I've told the show uh, this story on the show before, so I'll keep it relatively short. But if you're a new listener, um, when I saw James Wan's insidious film, uh, we had a baby. I want to say it was PJ. I forget the year. um, And we were using baby monitors. And there's a scene in (laughs) that uh, movie when Roseburn is downstairs and her child is sleeping upstairs and she hears voices coming over the, the monitor yeah. and it is um, it just it creeped me out in a way because it was just too real. Like I because of where I was in, in my life and because we were so reliant on baby monitors and when you have baby monitors, you pay uber close attention to what is being is what is coming out of them because it could be your child um, and people always tell you these stories about like, oh, you're going to pick up radio frequencies from other people's houses and you're not going to know what you hear. And so when James Wan used that to that effect. Um, and he heard the voices coming out of the uh, baby monitor. It's the first time I've ever had to do this in a theater before I was all by myself. It was a press screening. I was alone and I I walked out of the theater and just stood in the hallway um, to just not be in the darkness anymore. I just couldn't sit there Mm. any longer that it unnerved me uh, that much. And there's a great moment in in Insidious also where she takes the trash out and she goes all the way outside and he follows her in the camera. And then you can see through the window there's like a boy in old fashioned clothes and he's like dancing in front of the piano sort of thing. And then she comes back into the house and then he's not there anymore. You, do you remember this scene though? No,
2: I, I'm saying nope. As in, like, if I saw that, I would say nope. Oh, <laughs> and yeah, just yeah. Run, run away oh, from that. Hundred <laughs> percent. Yes. Nope.
0: It's like, like, it's like you hear um, a record come on, and it plays old-fashioned music, and this mm-hmm. little boy in like 1940s ah, Depression era nope. ah. stuff is like dancing. Ah. Insidious is one of the scariest films I've ever it seen. It really is,
3: and people don't talk about it, and I feel like it gets overshadowed by The Conjuring and by Saw. Scary. But in terms of like, like
0: James Wan stuff, Insid and Insidious Two is yeah. damn scary exactly so the baby monitor one is i think oh. the most scared i literally had to leave the theater and and i can normally normally my reaction with horror movie type stuff is when there's a good jump scare or when there's a good scare i kind of laugh in yeah. a way that like i admire what they did right like people will be freaking out around me in a the theater i'm always like oh that was that's pretty yeah. cool cuz i can see yeah. what you did you yeah. know i can i can see through your mechanisms Insidious w- worked on such a base level that I just had to get the hell out of the theater. Yeah. So that one freaked me out. So, Kev, where are you at?
2: Um, so it's interesting. My, my mind changed a bit after hearing y'alls because it kind of sparked a memory. So originally I was thinking of going down the path of Dr. Sleep because I just remember. I remember the Match just the the pain and utter discomfort and terror that I felt watching Rebecca, Rebecca Ferguson kill Jacob Tremblay's character. Mm-hmm. I just, I, I, I just wanted Mike Flanagan to let me go, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. like get <laughs> off of this image, man. And you're really, really ma- making me, uh, really panic here. Um, but Jake, brought, Jake's story kind of brought me back to a memory that I had that I hadn't thought about in a while. I, and I've told. Another version of another story on the show before, so I'm going to use a different movie, but one of the uh, one of the things that came to mind initially with this topic was also Blair Witch, because I've told the story before, but I when I saw Blair Witch, I thought it was I didn't know it was fake. So remember the marketing was so good that um I I'm, I'm gullible, but also there was no internet. I am so jealous though. Then. That's such a
4: great way to experience that movie. I was right. so jealous. I was too young. I, By the time I saw it, it was like on DVD and it was like, oh, this was a movie that everyone thought was real. And I was like, damn, that would have been cool.
2: Yeah. I snuck in and I remember sitting at the top of the I was I sat in the back of the top in the dark so that an usher couldn't see me. And yeah. when that last shot hits, doesn't the camera drop or something like that in the last shot or whatever it is? Yeah, I haven't seen it, it falls in ages. sideways,
0: And the one guy is standing right. on the corner in the corner right yeah. where he's supposed to be when the witch gets him
2: yeah i literally ran out of the theater like i oh actually <laughs> because i thought that what hi had was watching was an actual was actual documentary footage so sure. anyway so yeah. long story short this brings me to my point about where jake got me so when i was about 13 or 14 years old m- my parents started easing their way into letting me see r-rated films um and i remember uh you know it kind of started going with my dad a little bit. We saw bringing out the dead and like Jackie Brown and uh things like that. And they would let me watch stuff at home, but after they watched it first, and I don't know if I have my years wrong, but they took me to see a movie called Devil's Advocate, um, The Devil's Advocate with uh mm-hmm. Keanu Reeves and Al Pacino and Charlie Sterren. Yeah. Um, and it was rated R. The trailer was amazing. I begged my parents to go see it. Pacino's delivers a hell of a performance, no pun intended um, in that film. He plays the devil. He's so great. Um, So this is a minor scene, kind of similar to Jake's story. But it's it, you know, it it, to this day still scares the shit out of me. And I still have I still think about it. And I've had I had nightmares for for years and years because of this little moment. I
0: think I know what it is. I'm going to I'm going to keep it in my brain and I'll tell you from. okay.
2: there's a moment where Charlize Theron starts to think that she's seeing things and like and and Keanu Reeves's is like no you're not like but like that's the way the devil is kind of doing his business right he's uh he's literally um trying to drive Charlize Theron's character crazy uh so that it pushes her, her out and so that Keanu can sleep with uh the devil's daughter whoever I don't remember who uh that actress uh actor was so Charlize Theron is like is visibly shaken by what is going on like she's seeing some really nasty stuff and then she's put into this room with like a closed door and i remember if i remember correctly Kano is outside of the room they're looking in and and then and charlie's there and just looks awful and 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 i don't mean that in a bad way she just looks like she's seen a ghost literally like yeah. like she's just devastated can't speak and so this woman walks in the room and starts talking to her, like saying, everything's fine. I promise you it's all good. Nothing's really going on. I'm paraphrasing. And then she, this woman takes a uh, a mirror and puts it in front of Charlie Theron's face. And then the woman goes into the frame of the mirror. And, and she's basically like, look, everything's fine. I think Charlie's had, had some mirror incidents with some of the horror aspects of it. And she didn't want to look in a mirror anymore because she was frightened. Yeah. But the lady is looking over her shoulder and she's like, See, everything's fine. But when she says, see, her face m- mutates into this horrifying, disgusting, <laughs> disturbing image with like nasty teeth. Like, I will never forget how scared I was. And, that, and that's a really disturbing scene anyways, because Charlie Theron's character ends up killing herself in that scene. Yeah. Um, but there's a, that moment of that woman's face going into that mutation. I just
3: watched it. That's really scary. Dude, just watch it. <laughs> I am. All she says is like,
2: see? And then the face goes like this. And it and I, I was 13. And, you know, this was back when my parents would let me watch all the violence I wanted, but none of the sex. I remember them covering my, my eyes during all the sex scenes in the movie. But that scene they didn't cover my eyes for. And that's the scene that traumatized me for years later in my life. I would have nightmares about that lady's face. I don't know who the actor is that plays that character, but she will always be in my mind because of that moment. And that is the most scared I ever remember being in a movie theater. And then the next time was Blair Witch.
0: So I was wrong. And the scene that I thought that stands out to me is when she, and I don't remember the context of it, but she's trying to talk about the fact that she's being plagued. And I know Keanu's sitting with her. And yeah. she stands up and her robe falls off of her and she's got slices all over her body. Yes. Oh, Remember that part. God, but I that think it
2: really disturbing.
0: Yeah, I think it was like she was getting cut by something. It wasn't that she was yeah. cutting herself. I just forget the context of it.
2: Yeah, um, it's been a long time since I've seen that movie, but I probably will never see it again. But that now I want yeah. to
0: uh, if you have you, you've never seen Devil's Advocate. No, I know I would do want to see it again, but uh, oh, I I only remember that scene, and then of course everybody talks about Pacino and his over the top performance in like the final ten he's minutes great. of it. Yeah, but I know that like building up to it, there's some really good stuff in it, so I do want to revisit it because I haven't seen. I it also in a long time remember
2: that uh, that that ending being so such a big deal I think Keanu Reeves' character in the movie is named Kevin. So I remember like. I think at one point he's like looking over at her. Uh, at uh, Pacino's looking at Reeves and going, "Kevin, she's ovulating." And I remember because like he's trying to he's trying to get a, 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 a the devil's trying to get a son yeah, out yeah, of yeah. you know out of this situation. So it's her daughter. I don't remember the, the 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 specifics of it, but yeah, that movie feels like
0: feels like a commentary track that we need to do. Ooh, with the that movie Advocate. is. Oof. All right, let's get to some audience picks. Uh, Jim Meadow went with The Visit, which I believe is the M. Night Shyamalan. A very,
3: very good movie, actually. There is a scene in that
2: movie. Under the porch. With the old lady is like under the porch. It is one of the most horrifying things I've ever seen. It's so scary. I don't
3: know why people don't talk about that movie in relation to Shyamalan's career. It's fantastic. Was Was that his first R or happening? No, the happening was. Ugh.
0: Claudius yeah. uh went with the ring, and if I'm claudius if correctly oh. the closet uh, scene no, I think they specifically because I think that I think this person tweeted it. It was when um the shape figure black shadow mm. thing comes out of the television set and oh, starts That, that starts jump the scare
3: floor. with a girl in the closet um, Gore verbinski
0: when I got home from seeing uh the ring at a press screening, I brought my friend Rick with me years ago, whatever year this came out um. He had his son, who was maybe like six or seven at the time, call my cell phone uh, and <laughs> and tell me um, whatever, whatever the message is, like you're going to die in three days or something like that. But it came so, up. Yeah. It was so weird. It came up as unknown. And I would have had my friend Rick's phone number. I don't, he was able to put something in to say that said it came yeah, up as yeah, unknown. Yeah. And then he had his kids say that to me over the phone. And it freaked me out. And then he had to call me back and tell me that it was him that messed me up. So Gregory Voight says, my mom took me to see Drag Me to Hell when I was young, and it scared me so badly that I could not sleep without the lamp on for over a year. Still, that is the scariest movie I have ever seen in a movie theater. Uh, Shout out to Sam Raimi for for messing kids up for generations. Uh, and then C.A. Smith went with the Blair Witch Project. And I also have to second the Blair Witch Project. Those evenings, the evening scenes in the Blair Witch Project, when they hear her friend, their friend um, calling from a from a distance, and then when the children's voices and the scratching on the outside of the tent, that's super, super creepy and, uh, and really, really effective. So we want to thank everybody who participated in Scared Blend. And we're going to keep the trend going uh, and play next week Hashtag Mystery Blend. You can let us know your pick via email at realblenderthunderblend uh, and that also is going to enter you in a chance. This is the giveaway that I mentioned at the top of the show, I'm going to enter you for a chance uh, at a mystery movie pack from Movies Anywhere, and the pack this week uh, is going to include the Bob's Burgers movie. Uh, it is going to include the Nice Guys with uh, Ryan Gosling and Russell Crowe. A little more Ryan Gosling in your life. Uh, and Get Out, because we've been talking about Jordan Peele. So the three movies in the mystery movie pack for Movies Anywhere. Again, the Bob's Burgers movie, Nice Guys, and Get Out. Use hashtag MysteryBlend uh, on social media or by emailing realblend at centralblend.com. Or that's how you add, guys if
4: you're watching us on YouTube, you can drop it
0: in the comment section of this video. There hashtag MysteryBlend. All these different ways to win these three cool movie packs. or Or enter for an opportunity to win... Uh, Those three movies through movies anywhere. Um, Our next premium episode, as mentioned, is going to be the box office game. Check the description below for more information on how to sign up. In the meantime, follow us at Jake's Takes, at Kevin McCarthy TV, at Sean underscore O'Connell, at Gabe Kovach. And the show is at Real Blend. Uh, Reminder, we're going to be in San Diego Comic-Con. If you want to keep up with all the happenings that are going on there, uh, follow us on social media is there. And we will be back with a full show next week with some cool guests and very fun stories and all the reasons why you love tuning into real blend. So until then, the fable hockey pads killers of the flower.